Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Chris Collier. Good morning or good afternoon. Yeah, good morning to you. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Listen, it's great to have you on. Thanks very much. So, Chris, you, uh, well, tell us, first of all, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Uh, my name is Chris Collier. I live in the Atlanta metro area in Georgia of the United States of America. And uh, I am an influencer, entrepreneur, and thought leader here. Uh, and I also podcaster. So um just want to help people. My, our goal this year is to help 10,000 people uh, change their mindset about what they can do. Change it from what to what? From just... Um, you know this well, uh, Pete, that uh, people typically have a mindset of just um, default, right? They're just on the default mindset. They've got to get into a mindset of they can win, they can overcome, they can conquer. Hence the name of my podcast, Conquer with Chris. I love that. It's it's really sort of going forward. So, I mean, is this something really that's something you've had to do for yourself, Chris? It's an ongoing thing, right? I don't think you ever arrive. I think you're always... Uh, evolving and creating the new ver- best version of you. Uh, you all, if you always sit back, if you're sitting back and resting on your laurels, you, you're already losing ground. So you're always trying to get the next step, get the next thing. So yes, absolutely. Um, you, everyone starts off in, in default slash loser mode. That's interesting. Do you think you're born with that? Or do you think uh, that sort of comes to you through childhood and through growing up? I don't up? think you're born with it, but I think you're taught it and uh, you're, we're programmed to lose. We're programmed to not win. We're programmed that losing's okay. You can't always win. And while there's truth in that, you always have to strive for the best. You always strive for the best. What, what and even our cl- classrooms, right? We teach what, what's considered when you don't pass a test. Consider failure. But failure is a wonderful thing. It's a teacher more so than a bad. Um, you shouldn't feel bad about it. You should learn it, embrace it, and get better from it, right? So that's kind of what I've learned is, is failure and not reaching your goal, not doing what you want, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just you have to get better and do better the next time and figure out your strategy and the mindset that you need to go forward. That's powerful. It really is. So so tell us, I mean, what, what does fire in the belly mean to you, Chris? Fire in the belly is, uh, you know what? Um Shortly either before or after I met you, I learned about um, the two things that I think every person needs to find and work with to have that fire in the belly, right? Um, the fire in the belly to me is passion. You got to have passion about what you do, but without a purpose, right? You can be passionate and uh, you can cause all sorts of problems. Like a little kid who wants to drive a car, he's not big enough. His purpose is not yet fulfilled to drive a car. Well, I might be able to start it and start to drive it and whatever, 
at the end of the day is he his passion outweighs his purpose. When you get passion and purpose married together, you find power. And that's really where I think you find the fire in the belly. I think when you say fire in the belly, I think passion meets and marries purpose and they have power together. And that creates a whole new force that's in the world. Mm. Do you have it? Have you always had it? Where, where do you sit with it? That's a good question. Um, I think you do have it. Everyone has it. I think I have it. And I think I have it in, uh, in different areas. But I think that this is the thing. is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says it really well. He says, um, if you have passion for marketing and a year and a half later you don't, you had just a year and a half of passion for that thing. I think sometimes uh, we say, um, well, you know, I failed at nursing. I failed at being a doctor. I failed at doing that. No, you didn't fail. You just had that time to have that amount of passion. You, it might not be, see, we think of it as failure, but it's really just, it's something to catalog in your life because maybe later on you use that background to get you to somewhere else. So I think you have to develop it too. Some of it like, um, you have to develop it and you got to know yourself and you got to know your likes and dislikes. So all that stuff plays a part of it and your personality. And there's so many things that go into it. Um, but I think you, you've got to nurture it and develop it. Definitely. And interesting. I mean, how, how do you, how do you work out what, you know, things for you to nurture in you and what things to, to step away from? I mean, are you clear? <clears throat> I think it's very clear. If you get, okay. If you find a problem in what you're doing, there's two ways to address this, right? If if you're starting out and you get frustrated about a problem, you may be called to solve that problem, right? You, you may be called to challenge that problem uh, in society or in yourself or in community in business. But on the flip side is if you've been doing it a minute and you know that there is a challenge that you may not be able to overcome, even with a group even with coaching, even with uh, a, a squad, an army, or your own tribe, if you will, then you know that may not be your thing to tackle. So the, the, it's kind of touchy there because there are some things that you can't do. You're not made, you're not made for that, right? Um, for example, I want to be a pro wrestler, but I'm almost 50. That time has come and gone. <laughs> um if I would have started uh, earlier, then maybe I would have gotten into it and done all right. But that time has come and gone. Um, maybe I could do some refereeing or some guest appearances, but to be a pro wrestler full time, that's not going to happen for me. Um, you got to know your limitations, right? I know some people say, well, we're limitless. No, we are to a certain extent, but then also the body is confining. You know, if, if you're 50 and you're trying to get into, um, something and it's very aggressive and very um, physical, you may want to reconsider unless you just got some kind of gift that's just overpowering or some kind of challenge in you who you just, oh, I want to do it once. Okay, then do it once. But doing it full-time, 365 days a year might be too much. Interesting. I mean, seeing whether you are limitless or limited, it's, I suppose it's trying to understand what, where, where you sit on that, really. It's what your potential is as well, right? Right. I mean, you know, the, there are places I think that every human is has their limitless self, right? Where they can reach limitless potential. But the thing is, is like you've got to know how, know what the limitations are on the front end. And what I mean by that is, I know I just contradicted myself. <laughs> 
what I mean by that is if if you can't get um, if you don't like getting up early in the morning and you want to do a, a, a triathlon, you may not be most triathlons are done in the morning because by the time you get done, it's the afternoon. So you may not want to do that. You got to know what your challenges are up front. You got to know if that's something that you willing to, a chance you're willing to take on and it's a challenge you're willing to accept because you don't want to be fighting uphill the whole way. There has to be some low hanging fruit to get you a couple wins under your belt. So you're not always just, oh gosh, I got to go back to that again. And you don't want, you know, it's like a, a, a preacher friend of mine said he was giving some people marriage counseling and he said, you know, we talk about in the Christian world that, you know, looks are good, but you're really marrying for purpose and uh, reason and all this. But the flip side of that coin is you don't want to get on your wedding night and get to bed and say, oh, God, help me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't want that. So the thing is, is like that using that analogy, you don't want to step into what you think your passion is or what your purpose might be. And like, God, oh. For example, I'll use, there are hungry kids all across the planet that shouldn't be hungry. But if you can't stand the sight of them because it hurts you so badly, you, you're you called to donate, not to go. Because you might not be able to handle that. So you got to know what, you got to know that your limit might not be able to be able to feed them directly, but you can feed them indirectly. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And, and funny, it's, I think is knowing your purpose can be is, is a very powerful place to be, right? Because how many people are saying, well, I want to, you know, I want to help people indirectly, sometimes sitting in your purpose and your potential is actually a more powerful thing to do, right? Because you're saying you can achieve more and do more, which will then earn you more money, which then allows you to give, donate, contribute, more much more effectively than you would do if you were to go and and get involved directly so i think sometimes people feel like they can't you know unless i'm I'm there or whatever sometimes you can give in different ways right you know absolutely uh you you can give time like maybe you can't go there in person but you can if there's someone's doing a fundraiser you can go to the fundraiser and show up and say hey uh, I'm Mighty Pete, or I'm co- with Conquer with Chris, and we're, we're lending our time and, and our status, right? Our, our uh, social ability, um, our influence. We're, we're backing this uh, cause. We're doing this thing. And because we're doing this thing, other people should come. We'll, we'll come and donate uh, as well. Sometimes influence has a huge play, too. It's, you know, time, influence, money. Um, you can help other people, like I said. Um, and who who's to say is like, for example, one of my biggest heroes was I'm sure you heard of the guy, Billy Graham. He passed away not too long ago, but um, he affected hundreds of thousands, not millions of lives. But, um, you know, uh, there was a guy who got credit for his life because he was a Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher led Billy Graham to the Lord. But you don't ever hear about the Sunday school teacher. You just hear Billy Graham, Billy Graham, Billy Graham. I use that because. Who's the guy who influenced Anthony Robbins? Who's the guy who influenced um, Jim Rohn? Who's the influ- guy who influenced Gary Vanderchuk? Who's the guy who inf- influenced Mighty Pete or Gal? Uh, who's the person who influenced um, um, Winston Churchill? Who's the person who influenced so on and so forth? That person has just as much credit as the person that you know. 
because they are the person who cre- helped create that person. So, you know, your parents, your situations, circumstances, uh, bad, you, you uh, bad relationships or bad situations, they also help form who you are uh, because of your uh, perception. Perception is a huge thing. Um, I, I have what I call the grasshopper perception. If you think you're a grasshopper, you become a grasshopper. If you think you're king of the world, you're going to be king of the world or queen. Um, it's up to you. Your perception has a lot to do with your reality. And for you, I mean, in terms of looking backwards and looking forwards, you know, that perception, I mean, how, I mean, how clear do you need to be on your perception? Is, is that a key part, do you think, to, to actually achieving and, and succeeding? I think there's a couple things to this. Um, coming from my world, you've got to have a lot of humility, right? On one hand. On the other side is you can't take your losses too much to heart where they haunt you. Um, I heard something great the other day. It said, if you look back too long, you get depressed. You look forward too long, you get anxious. But if you live in the present, you're happy. I think you have to look back and have a fondness of, okay, this is what happened. And pick the good stuff and remember the good stuff. But when you're looking at the stuff that wasn't so good, what did I learn from that? Ask yourself, what? Should I have learned from that? Or what did I learn from that? When you look into the future, you project on what you want, not on what you have. And you set yourself up. Like, I always think that in the Christian world, they always talk about faith. Well, faith is nothing more than looking to the future and knowing the end goal and bringing it to the present as closely as you can, right? It may not happen today or tomorrow or next week, but you you bring it close. Like, for example, you just got your book launched. Um, and so you worked on that. There was a there was a date, however far along, and you worked on it and brought it as close to present as you could until it became present. And then you helped have other people now that can get it because it's released. So when you're looking to the future, you got to look with the perception of purpose and your passion and your power and use that to draw that back to you to the now because it's never going to reach. Tomorrow never comes because like when you wake up. In the morning, it's Monday here in the States. So tomorrow when I wake up, it'll be Tuesday, but the, but tomorrow still will be Wednesday. And then tomorrow will be Thursday. And then tomorrow will be, so you never reach tomorrow. Tomorrow's a, a creature that never you can catch. It's always a day away. So you have to have a perception that it's coming to you, a reality. You've got to live like, you know, they say, be your better self. Well, you got to think who that person is, the mighty Pete, the conqueror with Chris, who's in the future. you got to be that person now, so that way in the future, you'll even be more better or better, whichever one's more correct. So your perception has to be f- focused through your positioning, your passion, your purpose, and your power. A lot of pays going on here. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's so powerful, right? So that you're actually, it is an alignment. Is alignment the right word here? That actually you are taking all the all the parts of you, so you can bring them all together, so that you know you're all focused in the same direction. Is that key? Do you think that actually people need to be focused in one direction, or can you can you have a bit of normal life and a bit of optimistic life, if you like? Um, I think you have to have, I think this is going to sound really crazy, but like 
typically people are so off balance, they have to go off balance the other way to bring things back into alignment. Does that make sense? For example, if you were the type of person like I was, I never really cared about money. I just wanted to help people. Well, I realized you can't help a whole lot of people unless you have some money <laughs> because money's kind of what makes things work, right? So the thing is, is after you care too much on this side, sometimes you have to now be overweight on this side to bring a balance. Um, think about the old scales, not the modern ones, the old ones where it was the, the T with the things hanging down. If you if something was out of whack, you have to bring it back into whack to make it level out. So your life, you spent 25 years not caring about making money. You might have to spend five hard years caring nothing about money. Does that mean you don't have time for any family? I didn't say that. You've got to make that judgment for yourself. For everyone, it's different. Um, my wife and I are going through some challenges and uh, with different thoughts and stuff. And we, we had a conversation like, do we want to be Robert Kiyosaki and his wife? They spent uh, six months staying in a car. Do you want to do that? Uh, not really. But did they really want to do that? Probably not. But do you want to get their result? Well, just because you do what they did doesn't mean you get the result, first off. Let me say that. But secondly is, you've got to have the mentality is whatever it takes to get there, you're going to have to do. Let me sell everything you have. Um, keep some basics so you can do whatever it is you're calling. Like, for example, for me, I need my internet. I need my podcasting equipment. I need certain things. But if I was a designer, I might need my, my tablet so I can draw designs or architecture or whatever it is I'm doing, right? If I'm a poet, I might just need my cell phone and that's it. I don't know what all these other people need for whatever their passion is. But when you're in your passion, you've got your equipment, your stuff. More as an artist, she needs her paint brushes, her paint, her canvases, uh, other stuff that she uses for art, um, uh, pipe cleaners and all sorts of stuff. Like. She has more stuff. It's not as expensive my stuff, but she has more stuff to create artwork, to create crafts. So the thing is, you got to stay in your your passion and purpose to do that. So we're having this conversation is what are we going to do moving forward? If we didn't have income for a while, what would we do? How would we make that income? Or how would we make up so we can keep the, our lifestyle the way it is? And there, there's some really hard choices. I can't give you the answer for you or any of your listeners. They have to get it themselves because the decisions I make might influence you, but you're, what you go through, um, you go through alone. It's like the people who say all the time, you don't know what I go through. You're exactly right. I don't. I don't. Everyone's walk is different. Every, how everyone lives is different. How you go through something, how you react. Um, two people, identical twins, could go through the same exact things and have different outcomes. It's just how life is. How long is this current, Chris? This the Chris that we see here now. I mean, how how long has this been in play for you? Is this? Well, I mentioned pro wrestling. Um, let me tell you, uh, it got started actually. You know, because you listen to the names Hulk Hogan, the Macho Man Randy Savage. When I was growing up, Bruce the Barber Beefcake, they all had these cool names. I was like, well, they got cool names. I just got Chris Collier. That's not that cool. What can I do? What can I do? And I came up with Chris the Conqueror Collier. And so I even had a heavyweight championship made. I even um, I spent some money on it. It wasn't cheap. And I even had all this stuff. And so then everyone started calling me the Conqueror. 
And so, but then I realized, you know, the best thing I could do is help other people conquer, right? By giving them stories, tips, tricks, life hacks, whatever. And I wanted to start sharing what I've learned through life, however large or small it is to you. Because to one person, Pete, it might be like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing since sliced bread. Another person might be like, oh, whatever. So it impacts everyone differently. And it's not, that's not my call to make. That's their call to make. So the thing is, is I feel like I can bring value to people. And the value I can help them get is bringing a life of overcoming and conquering. Because most of us are on autopilot, like I said in the beginning. And autopilot is just existing. We don't learn how to be, gra- uh, be, be have gratitude for everything that goes on, even a small parking space, even a, um, a thought that comes to mind. You know how you get those thoughts and you, like maybe even your book was, a, your book was a thought at some point. And at, when you get those thoughts, right, you got to start being grateful for them to manifest a book. I know that's exactly what you did. So to, to get something and come to a, an expected end, you got to have change your mindset. You got to be intent. One of my mentors says, live with purpose on purpose. Too much of us, we live by happenstance. We don't plan out our day. Even in the Bible, it says, um, it says, uh, command your day. In other words, plan out your day and make it line up. We're called to make things line up. We are creators. We're created by a creator that wants us to create. It's not difficult, but we, we get in front of ourselves and we hinder ourselves because we don't, we fall in so far away from the standard of the creative purpose that we can't wrap our heads around what we're supposed to do. And when someone says you're supposed to be a creator, it's almost offensive because you can't believe that because I just have this job. I just do accounting. I just, I'm just a lawyer. And uh, you're called for more than that. If that's all you are, you need to check your life because you're not living. You're just existing. It's always, it's amazing, isn't it? Because I mean, we sit with our own limitations, our own beliefs, our own expectations. But uh, I mean, just to, to bring it in there, I mean, you, you mentioned there the the church and things like that. I mean, how how important is the church in your life? And and you know, how much of it do you sort of set out that that's your future and that's you know really what you you aim for? Well, I I have to confess, I'm a pastor, so <laughs> uh, it's a big part of my life. It's always been a big part of my life. It'll always be a big part of my life. Um, and I, I wouldn't, because people say, well, you're one of those, uh, you're one of those um, religious people. No, I'm not religious at all. I just, I have a relationship with Jesus and you can take it f- for whatever you want. Um, he's, he's alive. Well, because I know I've seen him move in people's lives. Now, um, it's not my job to convince you or convict you. That's Holy Spirit's job. My job is just to convey the fact that God is bigger than everything. And even time is inside of God. And people want to get, you know, money, money, money. Well, let me tell you, when you take time away, money is worthless. Because in heaven, the streets are filled with gold that's so pure you can walk on it. And uh, God is so awesome. I mean, think about this. He, You know how much I know God loves us? He gave us time. He didn't give the angels time. And that when the angels made the decision, a third of them went with Lucifer and became uh, his force. He didn't, they, they were sealed in their fate. We, when we disobeyed God in the garden, we, he gave us time to repent. 
And that's the biggest gift God could give us is time. It also works against us because we always think we have time, but no man knows the hour of the day when their end shall come. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta live life, and that that's where you know people say you gotta live every moment. Yes, we've got to live every moment. You gotta live like you're created to create. You gotta live like you were created for a purpose and a passion. And when that purpose and passion, Mary, there will be power in what you do and power in what you say. People will see and feel the fire that's in your belly and be able to follow you. And they'll see it in your eyes. They'll see it in your expression. They'll feel it in your presence because your presence can do a lot more than a lot of times with your words. Have you ever met somebody and you're doing an interview with maybe Pete? I've had a few of these. You do interviewing them and it's like, Interviewing a piece of soggy cardboard. <laughs> There's personality. They're, they have yeah. no personality. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? And then yet you get people that are so passionate and actually it just, it exudes an energy. You, you believe in it, right? You, I mean, you start almost, you get swept away in their wave of energy and it's like kind of going, I'm passionate. And it's like, hold on, this, that's, that's them, not, that's not me. It's like I suddenly inherit their passion for something. It's like, hold on. It's like, what? Well, that's it's not awesome. Yeah, it is. And I learned from, well, a long time ago in my early uh, 20s from a guy. Um, I don't know if you heard of a guy named Dexter Yeager. He said, if your dream's big enough, the facts simply don't matter. <laughs> your dream has to be big enough. The facts just really don't matter because you're called to create. And there's... There's so much that we're called to do that we're not living in up to our standard. We're not living up to our expectation. It, you know, you asked me in Christianity, there's several scriptures. The one of them's calling those things that aren't as though they were. Calling those things that aren't as though they were. We call that a lie where we from for in, in a states. Uh, <laughs> we got to call something that isn't as though it were. The it, it, all creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. We've got to get to a place where we're calling those things. We're being those things so creation can see our fullness and our fruition. Because if we're not manifesting, there's something wrong. We've got to start manifesting that which we're called to be. And if you're not a Christian, you know this is true. How do I know this? You have guys like Henry Ford created the uh, um, automobile assembly line. and and no one ever thought of that before. The Wright brothers thought about flying. No one ever done that before, right? There's all these people. There's, um, dude, uh, SpaceX, right? We're doing stuff we haven't done before. We, we look, in, in a year, roughly, we create a, a vaccination for the coronavirus. That had never been done in history. Had all the research been done previously? Absolutely. A lot of it had been, Yes. But we're doing things we haven't done before. We're called to create. We're called to do something hasn't been done before. The problem is what we try to do, Pete, is we try to take what Pete's doing and make it ours. Like you said, you get caught up in someone else's passion, and we try to recreate that. And I'm not saying you can't take someone else's idea and, and make it better. I'm not saying that, you know, like manifesting a dollar is easier than manifesting $100. No, it's not. It takes the same amount of energy. Manifesting a million dollars the same amount as a penny. Why haven't more people manifested a million dollars? Well, that's because they think they can't. <laughs> They've been taught money doesn't grow on trees. A money is the root of all. No, no, that's not what it says. It says 
The love of money is the root of all evil. For example, I'm going to pull this off my desk. This is a stapler. It is a tool. I use this to, if I was with Pete, I could use it to beat him upside the head with it. I wouldn't, but I could, right? It's a tool. I can use this to staple someone's finger. I can use it to staple some, um, some papers together, some cardboard, whatever the case may be. But people, there's nothing wrong with the stapler. It's how I use the stapler. And if I love that stapler inordinately, then I'm going to do evil with that stapler. So if I love money inordinately, I'm going to do evil with money. Money's just a tool. People say, well, I saw that guy and he changed. No, 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 that guy didn't change. When he got money, he became more of who he really was, right? Because it's all inside you already. There's nothing, there's nothing someone can put inside you that you already didn't think about or were a part about or were doing something with mentally. You thought about it. You played that out in your mind. Or you spoke it, said, oh, man, if I had that much money, I'd definitely go see that girl. You're married, dude. What are you thinking like that for? Anyway, I digress. Just uh, well, while you're digressing, I'm, I'm going to digress a bit further. Are all these things inside us, you know, both the pain and the passion, both the good and the evil, um, you know, all the, the sort of the... I suppose the, the yin and the yang is everything inside us, do you think? And it's, it's our daily choice as to which one shines through? I do. I, but I don't think it's our choice which one shines through. It's which one we feed the most. If you're feeding, there's like a Native American said, <clears throat> there's two wolves that live inside me. Whichever one I feed the most wins and dominates. So you talk about pain. People think pain's a bad thing. Pain is a good thing. You put your hand on the stove and get burnt. You know not to do that again. You get in a bad relationship. You know not to get in a relationship like that again. I didn't say get in a relationship again. I said that kind of relationship. So you've got to understand pain can either make you bitter or make you better. You've got to take the pain and let it teach you what it needs to teach you so it can go away. Some, you know, sometimes this pain relief, we don't need. We need to figure out what's causing the pain and get to the bottom of it to fix the pain, right? Pain relief is not the answer. Pain, when you have pain, it's telling you something's wrong here. Something needs to be fixed, not let's dope ourselves up and cover it over. That'd be like saying, um, you wake up tomorrow morning, Pete, and your whole floor is wet. You're like, I'm just getting new carpet. I'm getting new hardwoods. That's it. Your roof's leaking, brah. Your roof's leaking. Fix the roof. But no, here, we want, I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but in America, we want to get new floors. We just want to cover up the problem. No, no, fix the roof, and then you won't have water on your floor anymore. If you have pain, find out where the pain's coming from. Maybe you have a bad relationship that needs to be fixed. Maybe you have a bad perception. Maybe you have a, look, if your parents were bad, you may have bad parenting skills. You need to go fix that. I don't know what your situation or problem is, but whatever it is, if you have pain in your life, there's something that needs to be fixed, adjusted, corrected. And I think that's really what we're talking about. And then you got to feed the passion of, you know, the old little devil and angel that sits on the shoulder. Um, you got to feed whichever one of those that you want, you choose. 
if you want to be, if you want to feed the, the 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 dark side, if you will, or you can feed the light side. Whichever one you've got to feed, you got to feed that passion, that purpose for doing good and helping people and being a, a, a good dad, granddad, uh, uncle, friend, neighbor, good citizen of your country. You've got to feed that. It's your duty and your and a purpose for you. You don't get to get scot-free because X, Y, and Z. Everyone's had some kind of roughness. Everyone's had some kind of pain. Not, you know, everyone says, your life's a bed of roses. Yeah, but every rose has a thorn. <laughs> so, but the, you know what? You've got to deal with the thorns as, as you get the roses. If you're not enjoying life now, if you're not enjoying life now, you won't enjoy it when you make a million dollars a day or a year. You won't because you'll be a same miserable person that will say, well, I'm making a million, but now if I made a billion, liar. I'll call you out now. You're lying. <laughs> You've got to get back and find out how to enjoy life now. Because you're not enjoying life now. You're going to be miserable but have more choices. Why do we lie to, lie to ourselves? We're taught to. I'll give you a story. Um, I was watch, I, I was over at a friend's house. And uh, it was when I was younger. In my early teens, maybe. And... Uh, the lady's name was uh, Josephine, and Josephine told her kids, hey, if anyone calls, this is back when we used to have phones on the wall. You remember phones on the wall, Pete? <laughs> if anyone calls, tell them I'm not here. So the little kid picked up the phone and said, hello, uh, Johnson residence. No, Josephine said she's not here. <laughs> And this is the funny thing is we teach our kids to lie. And I I don't know what people's thoughts are, but honestly, it sneaks in. It sneaks in. Like we teach people about Santa Claus. We teach people about the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, all these things. They're make-believe, but we teach them kids that they're real. And so when they find out they're not, we've already lied to them. They, they don't understand that it's it's a tradition and a story and blah, blah, blah. They don't understand that. Kids do not understand that. They don't understand when we tell them untruths, the difference between reality and fantasy. And see, that's one of the problems we got to do with kids is just tell them straight up. Look, at that's for babies. Um, you know, all your presents come from mom and daddy. And those of you who say, oh, Chris, you're just mean. Well, maybe I am. But, you know, would you rather have your kids always know the truth? And this, the other thing, Pete, is truth is not really what people think think it is you know everyone says find your own truth no 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 truth is always fixed form and universal it doesn't change for example on this planet we call earth right there's a thing called gravity unless you create an anti-gravity atmosphere you have to live by the rules of gravity i don't care how much you believe it's like this like um <laughs> have to laugh there's a belief that says if you believe enough, you can do anything. And uh, we won't name those scientific people right now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so if you believe enough, I can walk out in the middle of the intersection and a semi be coming at me and I'll split the semi in half. No, it's, it's a law of physical force that, that you're going to get run over by that semi. I don't care how much you believe. 
unless there's an act of God that stops that semi or mechanical failure on the semi, which might be an act of God as well, but that's neither here nor there. You're going to get hit by that semi and get ran over. We look at when this whole thing was created, there were laws put in place that God himself doesn't even interfere with. <laughs> and we just, you just have to live by him. And as Jim Rohn said, uh, he said, you asked the question why. Some of you are asking why right now, watching or listening to this. And I have to tell you, you're asking the wrong question. Build up yourself, become a person that's in charge, and then you can change the rules. Then someone can ask you why. The problem is, is most people want to ask the wrong question. That's not a positive producing question. It's like my wife and I got in an argument the other day. Um, I can't even remember what it was about, but it was high volume, no productivity <laughs> argument. <laughs> in other words, we were really loud, but nothing was getting done. But you're asking the wrong questions. Nothing's being produced. What are you producing out of your frustration? What are you producing out of... Look, you don't like the way your government does the tax system. Well, first off, make all the money you can make, learn how the system works, use the system to your advantage, and then get to be in charge and change the tax laws to however you think they should be. Just simple. It's simple. Simple. And in countries where you can't, move to a country where you can. It's amazing, isn't it? That sort of, yeah, I mean, it's sort of understanding, like you say, at you know, jumping into the interstate, expecting to split the lorry and believing, you know, it's, but the laws of, well, the laws of the universe have already come into play. You know, that's, it's different, right? You know, it's just. You put the, it's like going to the casino where, where it's 90% losing odds mm. and you praying for the miracle. I mean, it's probably even less than that. It's like 99% losing odds. Mm. And, and you playing for that one, one spit no you, you're just playing with the wrong deck of cards you're playing at the wrong casino you should go home and bet your grandpa who's blind you know i, I don't know you know i just i know it's a little bit mean but man you know find some something that's more to your favor so listen going back to the tax code find find out what works right what works to your advantage like in america owning your own business you get so many tax advantages own your own business, folks. It, you get tax benefits here. I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but you get tax benefits. You get to write off certain things. Block. I'm not a tax professional, by the way. And I'm just giving you my experience, not tax advice. We have a lot of lawyers over here. Sorry. <laughs> so the thing is, find out for yourself what tax benefits there are. But it, it plays to your favor because the incorporation here in the States is same as a living person. And really the main thing is, since I'm talking about it, I'll tell them, here in the States, um, what most people do, they have a job. And so when you get paid, you get paid. They take out the Social Security, uh, which is a, a Social Security tax, take out a federal tax, a state tax, and whatever uh, other benefits and taxes you have to pay. When a wealthy person gets paid, they get paid. They pay all their bills and they say, here's what's left government. You can tax this, which is like a dollar 50 cents because they know how to use the tax code to their advantage. So that's why you got to know what the rules are. For example, the rules of gravity still exist. You jump out of a plane, put on a parachute and pull the parachute cord. When you get away from the plane, 
you're going to float down at a much slower rate than if you just jump. You got to know what the laws of, or if you put a glider on and jump off the side of a cliff, you can come down at a much slower rate than if you just jump. And you'll probably live through the glider or, or, or the parachute incident versus probably not if you jump straight off the cliff or straight off. The thing is you want to put everything into your favor. If you don't know the odds, find the odds. I think people don't do enough due diligence. I think they just hope. And they think hope is faith. Faith is not hope. Hope is just, oh, I just hope, for example, when they announce your movie, the favorite, your movie uh, that you want to come out, oh, I, I hope I get to see that. <clears throat> There's no faith in that. Hope's inside of faith, but faith's not inside of hope. <laughs> Where does belief come into that then? Belief and faith are interchangeable. For example, the chair you're sitting in, the chair I'm sitting in, before we sat into it a few times, we had faith the chair was going to hold us up. Now we, we, we know, we believe it holds us up because it's done it before. We had faith first, faith produces belief. And once you have belief, you don't need faith anymore because it's a continuous, it's like a, a faith is a muscle. Faith is exactly like a muscle. You build it up. Now you don't need faith anymore. You have belief. Belief is the full-grown muscle of faith. Man, that's good. I'm going to snip that one. <laughs> faith, belief is the full-grown muscle of faith at, at a certain level. I mean, there's different levels of faith, right? You have childlike faith, which is a great amount of faith, by the way. It's more than adults possess, usually. Because child, just that wonder and awe they have goes a long way. Goes a long way. And then you have godlike faith which is the highest level of faith you can have. Those are just two levels. I won't go into all the different levels because, um, yeah, I, I can't remember them all right now anyway, but those are two of the myriad levels of faith. When you can believe like God believes about something, that's some serious belief level. And that's where you get results typically. Because, see, watch this. You know, when you first started dating the person you're married to or involved with. When I first got involved with my wife, there was a different level of faith mm. than I have now. We've been married 10 years this coming August. I have a belief level now. It's not even faith anymore. It's belief. I believe she's always going to be there with me until one of us goes to the next realm. So um, that's just how it is. You know, you, you develop belief. For example, your car. You don't believe your car is going to break down on you, but it's going to... Sooner or later, all things decompose. So the thing is, you believe it's going to start up. You have faith it's going to start up, but sometimes it doesn't start up. For whatever reason, mechanical, electrical. There, But you have a belief level. You believe that you're going to sit in a chair. It's going to hold you. That's because you had faith at one point to try it one time. Because I'm kind of getting there's almost this acceptance hierarchy if you like you know you've got hope then you've got faith then you've got belief and then you've got knowing you know that sort of rising up the more you know the more certainty that comes into play then the, the less uncertainty if you like if you, you know it's that acceptance yeah i would say that's that's pretty good <clears throat> and it's not knowing like uh mental ascent right it's uh knowing uh intimately knowing mm -hmm. Uh, the ins and outs of how the thing works, 
from a standpoint of, you know, a chair, you know that you can tell by sitting in a number of chairs, you can tell what chair going to be able to hold you or not, right? Depending on your weight. Me, I'm a rather um, heavy fella. Um, I'm coming in about 280, 290. Um, so I, there's some chairs I, there's these plastic chairs we have here. Um, I probably don't try to sit in those too often because I might break a leg. They're the ch chair leg and maybe mine too. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I think there is a little, but I think that you got to know how faith works. Because, see, people think faith is the opposite of fear, but it's not. Faith isn't the opposite of fear. I guarantee you, if you're dealing with anxiety or fear or um, worry, there's one thing that helps you overcome those things. Pete, I got a question for you. Sure. When you were dealing with your highest level of anxiety, what were you focused on? Probably loss and pain. Okay. Now, think about your highest pleasure. What were you thinking about in terms of your highest? And when I say pleasure, I'm not talking about an instant, but you know, like a, a like a amount of time, like a month or a year. Your most pleasurable year, your most pleasurable month, most pleasurable week. What were you focused on then? Probably love and joy. Ah, you hit it right there. Love is the opposite of fear. People who have fear, anxiety, and worry are not dealing with love. They're, they can't. Because if I'm worried about you, if, I'm, if I feel love for you, Pete, I won't worry about you. If I feel love for my family, I don't worry about myself because if I'm called to take, my purpose is to take care of my family. Then my love then I know that love wouldn't send me take care of them and take me out early. Because hmm. my purpose is for my family. Unless I've fulfilled my purpose, right? People walk in anxiety, depression, all those things, they're not walking in true love. They might have an inordinate amount of self-love, right? They're always worried about all the stuff they went through. At the end of the day is what you've gone through is for someone else. So the opposite of fear is love. Yeah. I can prove that in the Bible, too. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear, not some, all. So when you're not walking in love, you're not you're walking in fear. A little uh, question to break state here. Sure. What is the shortest sentence in the Bible? Is it Jesus wept or is it I am? Oh, Jesus wept in the um, Hebrew. I am is because actually God said, I am that I am. I am the, I am the, I am. So that's actually a little bit longer. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Just like I, I can pass that quiz now. Next time someone said to me, you know, this is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. What you should do is say, are you talking about Hebrew or the Greek? <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of like, it'd be kind of like Monty Python. The goose goes, is it the African goose or the, I don't know. Oh! <laughs> Never mind. Uh, you had to see that. Uh, that's one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, interesting. I, what, what's your purpose? Because, I mean, do you, you know, do you have a, a life purpose and a, and a success goal? Well, 
right now I'm focusing on helping 10,000 people living a conquering lifestyle, right? Why 10,000? Why, um, why not be limitless? Well, I, I'm first things first, right? I, I, I want to reach 10,000 because I feel if I reach 10,000 people that I can change the world. Because you think about this, 10,000, I don't have to influence, and when I say touch 10,000, that doesn't mean I'm doing them directly. Like, I go on a podcast like this, I'm reaching thousands of people th through your podcast, right? So the if I reach 10,000, or when I reach 10,000, not if, when, uh, see, even I am correcting myself and becoming more conquering as I go. I don't have all the answers. They're always coming to me, though, as I need them. So... As I reach these 10,000 people, they in turn can influence other people. So indirectly, so this is direct, right? Me to you and then to your audience is direct. But when they start saying, hey, you got to check out this guy, Chris, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My life's been changed. So then once those lives get changed, then they refer people to me. And that's indirect. So that's kind of just like a first tier goal. Um, I really want to change the world because the world needs changing. But first, ten thousand. <laughs> how do you it, think you? How do you think you will actually evolve through this process? I mean, do you think it is always a natural evolution that you you find yourself, you find your joy, you find your love? Yes, because I don't know about you, but I've always been in this mental space where, when I get to a certain place, we'll call it a level, for lack of a better term, right? When I get to like, if I was here. And I get to here. I look back and look at when I was here, and I said, I really wasn't here. I was really going off the screen way low, way down here. And now I'm here, right? But it's not like a beat up thing where I beat myself down. Oh, you were horrible, Chris. No, it's just um, a self-realization. I really wasn't where I thought I was. Does that make sense? Well, scale and perception, right? You know, because as you say, when you're here and you realize it's like, you know, it's this exponential curve. You know, it's like, well, actually, it started way, 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 way down there. And then I thought I was doing great until I got here. And, and you know, but right. interesting, there's a little term you used a short while ago. You talked about men mental ascent. Can you, can you give us your reflection on what mental ascent means? Mental ascent is just when you know something like in the top of your head, but it hasn't been emotionally like your whole being doesn't exude that you know that like you have to know that you know like if someone said if if an alien came from space and said this is not oxygen it's uh actually nitrogen you'd be like no we have oxygen mix you know we know what our chemical base is and they start arguing you you're like no i know you know so hco is two parts hydrogen one part oxygen uh, i know that's what it is you, someone could argue all the sky's not blue. Well, it is. It doesn't matter what they tell you. You believe what you believe. And so you've got to know, no, 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 no. Some people call it the knower. Your knower has to know. You got to know it almost as intimately as, I don't know if I can use this on here, as you know your wife or your husband. You've got to know it. And it can't be a shadow of a doubt. Can't be any, well, you know, maybe. And that's probably what we have in society. Everyone's a little bit, I don't want to offend anybody. No, the truth offends. It doesn't, the truth doesn't care. 
<laughs> truth does not care. It's not politically correct. It's going to tell you the truth no matter what. And so mental ascent is knowing something up here, but it had, you don't necessarily have the experience to go with it. You have a knowledge or a knowing, but it's not the all-knowing or the all-being. It's not the being of the knowing. I think too many people, times we get, know something up here. It's like going to school. I went to school for MBA at one point, and all my professors were like, I want to get an MBA so I can be a good business owner. I figured all my professors were teaching, but none of them, I, oh, I owned a business for six months. What happened? I had to close it. You weren't good at business? Why are you teaching me? I want to know how to be good at business. So it's kind of like that thought process. Like, I'm getting out of here. You can't teach me how to run a business. Oh, we can teach you how to run one. But no, you, you don't have, you're, you're either, your passion was faulty or your purpose was faulty because that power should propelled you to start another business. And, and that's the thing is failure. Look at failure is you giving up. When a business fails, you might have had the right idea in the wrong sector or on, you've tried a restaurant on the wrong street or you have the wrong type of restaurant altogether. But you keep trying to get that concept right or until you get to the right type of business. Maybe you weren't supposed to be open a restaurant. You're supposed to open a hardware store. Whatever it is, you keep trying to you get it right for you and you create the income source you want. But you give up altogether just so you can teach. You can't teach me anything because you're a failure. Uh, that's just Chris's personal take because you don't know. You know, but you don't know. You know how not to. And I don't need to know how not to. I need to know how to. <laughs> so that's Chris Collier's statement about formal education. What is success? It varies for every person. That's a great question, but it varies for every person. Your level of success and what you have might be someone's pinnacle, right? Might be someone's pinnacle, but they started out in a different place than you. Being um, Gary Vanderchuk might be someone's pinnacle of success. Being a basketball player, might, uh, pro basketball or football or hockey or whatever the sport is, pro athlete, you reach the pinnacle of success. But for me, mine is to touch as many lives as I can, help as many people as I can, change their lives as, as much as they can be changed, as much as they're willing to submit to the process. Another P. Uh, the process is really, you're always in process. You're never out of the process. That's why I talk about passion so much because you gotta have that fire in your belly to go through the process. The process is never easy. And that's probably why the jokers who were trying to teach me at school about business, they didn't have the fire in their belly. They didn't have the passion to go through the process until they could get a winning concept or idea to make it in the marketplace. I'm, I'm just saying is like, you've got to have passion that, remember I quote, made a quote by Dexter Yeager. It said, if, you're, if you believe enough, if your dream's big enough, the facts simply don't matter. You have to believe until you get through that first, second, third process. And, you know, a lot of look at a lot of people in the 80s would have thought Blockbuster was successful, but it's a failure because they didn't change. You got to be willing to always be changing. Do you know that the, the whole Netflix thing could have been owned by Blockbuster because it was one of their employees? 
if you're not willing to change, evolve, change with the times, be creative, think inside and outside the box, you'll never be successful. And successful is a mindset, not a situation. I am successful. I will continue to be successful because I'll continue to evolve and change with time. There's, I like that, you know, success, you know, success is a mindset and indeed, and it's, it's perception too. And it evolves through time, right? Because as you say, what's important today, it may be the car, the house, the whatever. And then as life moves on, it changes, right? It's sort of success is to have time, to have resources, to have opportunities, right? So it can be, you know, um, yeah, it's, Overall, though, what's what's the meaning of life? <laughs> well, um, the meaning of life is to be as Christ-like as I can be, and people, people, that's different for every person because once again, your 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 personality plays into this too. Like, there's some things Christ did I could never do. I would look at that and like, oh no, I'd have backhanded that guy. Um, <laughs> that that guy would have got punched straight in the mouth or. Um, you know, um, no, I, I would have taken care of this. I would have done that. But here's the thing is, is this is the question. Can you pick your own Judas? That is the question. Can you pick your own Judas knowing he's Judas? That's, yeah, that's a deep one. And uh, you're going to have to break that down for me because that's lost me now. Ju- he, Jesus picked Judas Iscariot mm-hmm. who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver and knew all the time that's what Judas was going to do. And still hoped that Judas would change. But because God is so loving and wonderful, he gives us the freedom of choice. Allow Judas to still betray him. And there's and sometimes we're really rough on Judas, but Ju- the difference between Judas and Peter are very simple. Judas had a moral failing that he never recovered from. Peter had a moral failing that he, he wept over and he repented, and Judas became bitter, Peter became better. See, Peter was right there with Jesus, and the girl asked him, aren't you one of his disciples? And he cussed and said, I don't even know the man. And later on, he he, he repented and said he was sorry. And so the thing is, is in that moment when you fail, not if, but when, because everyone fails, themselves, their, their family, their loved ones, they're, they, when I talk about failure, it's moral failure, where you don't reach the standard of truth, when you don't reach the standard of integrity, you don't reach the standard, and you fail. That's when you just have to turn around and say, Pete, I'm sorry. I didn't live up to expectations. I didn't live up to what the Christ-honoring way is. So for that, I've asked for your apology. And it's, it's one of the hardest things to do, but it keeps you humble. And it keeps you, it, to me, like, it gives you the correct perspective because too often we get too big for our own britches. We think we're, we, we read our own press. We see ourselves on the internet. Oh, I got 1,000 likes today. Wow, I'm the man. Woo! No, I'm not. If my, look, if I got a, a million likes today and my wife's not happy at home, there's something wrong. Because I have to love her first. That's my that's my first priority is taking care of my wife, taking care of my family. And if I can't do that, then I am a failure. 
no matter what I do outside. You know, people have all these nice cars. I, I, I want to talk about success, you know, going back to success. Success for me has changed, right? Sure, I want money would be great. But if I have a happy wife, a simple life, and my family's healthy and whole, I can't ask for much more. And I'm not saying I'm not going up to a million dollars. I still am. But uh, <laughs> because I can do a whole lot with a million dollars that other people can't do because they won't do because they don't have the right mindset. you got to have the right thought in here and more so in here. A knowing, not just a mental assent where, oh, yeah, I agree with that. That's true. But a knowing in here where I can build, help build other people's successes. Because it's really not about you or me, Pete. It's the reason why we broadcast these shows even is because we want to impact people and change their lives. We don't want to just do this as some, uh, it might be fun, it might be interesting, we might even make money off of it. But we're doing this to impact people's lives. Because why, why have people listen to it then, right? I'm going to pick up on something you said a short while ago. Just that you talked about you can't ask for much more. Surely you can ask for everything and anything. Yeah, I, I say that kind of like tongue in cheek. It's mm. kind of like you know, if if everyone in your family is healthy and whole, that's what I'm talking about: mentally healthy, physically healthy, spiritually healthy. They're automatically going to be successful. Because they won't take no's for answers, right? Until they get what their purpose and passion is. And that's another part of wholeness. See, pe people don't understand. Wholeness is really nothing missing, nothing broken. If Listen to that. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That includes money. That includes what we consider success. That includes, and so when I say that, I say that because, see, people let that slip under the radar, but they don't know the meaning of wholeness. Wholeness is nothing missing, nothing broken. So you're the complete. So if, I, if, if you and your family were complete whole with nothing missing, nothing broken, there's not much more you can ask for because you have it. Now, you're always reevaluating. I understand that part because we're kind of wired that way, I believe, where we're off to the next adventure. We're off to the next thing. But there has to be some kind of, I want to be careful how I use this, there's a satisfaction, but not a, what's the other word? Content, oh, there's a contentment, but not a satisfaction. That's what I'm trying to say. You're content that you have what you have, but you're not satisfied because, see, when you become satisfied, you kind of rest on your laurels. You're content because you have gratitude. You're thankful. It's perspective again, right? But you're not satisfied because you know you can do more for other people. It doesn't come become about you at that point. It becomes more about others, right? So more about other people. And that's what I mean, mean, don't ask for more. You're not asking more for yourself. You're asking more to give more to other people, mm -hmm. to do more for others. Because once you have your four and no more taken care of, then <laughs> I say that kind of kiddingly, you can reach out. And help others. You can help other people, other organizations. We talked earlier about feeding people that are hungry, taking care of orphans, widows. Those types of things can come out of the success you have in the family unit. And that's why the family unit is important.
in my opinion. Is, is it our job to be successful, to be rich, to be all the above, do you think? It's our duty. Hmm. It's our duty. Um, it's our honor. It's our privilege. Because if we don't, then there's someone who won't be reached. There's someone that only, if you're listening to this today, there's you've been reached by Pete. You've been reached by me. But there's someone you're called to reach. There's someone that you have a duty to reach. And you have the passion to do it. What medium you use, that's not my business. You might use miming. I don't know. You might use underwater basket weaving. I don't know. <laughs> I, but what I do know is you've been reached by this medium. So please reach out to someone else. Help someone else reach their level of success while you're still working on yours. Because, Pete, have you reached your ultimate form yet? Nope. Only getting started. Uh, exactly. I knew you'd say that. And I'm only getting started. I'm only getting as <laughs> I went to a church in the backwoods one time and the pastor said, these revival nights are getting gooder and gooder. <laughs> and so I'm just getting gooder and gooder. And uh, excuse the bad grammar, but um, I'd rather be gooder and gooder than get bitter and bitter. And so you have a choice. You need to get better or get bitter. And if you are, if you haven't made the decision, you're already somewhat bitter. So start to get better. Start manifesting the things you want, not what you have. And you do that by focusing on what you have and what you want at the same time. Be thankful for what you have and then start reaching for the things you want and pull them back to yourself. What's some powerful questions people can ask themselves? How did I get in this mess? That's a great place to start. And then if you have problems with people, right? If you had a job over on this side of town, and a job over on this side of town, and a job here and a job there, and you take an assessment, a self-evaluation, and say, what's the common denominator between all those jobs? And you can't, and you say, it's me. And you had a problem in all those places. Maybe you were the problem. Sometimes you have to take ownership of what it is. I was involved in a relationship one time, and a friend, a real good friend, said to me, Chris, you like drama in your relationship. I said, no, I don't. And they went through a process of showing me, well, no one else could do this. This guy did it wonderfully, masterfully. And how this woman had gotten into my life and created all this drama. So shortly after, I cut that relationship off. It wasn't easy, but I did it. And when you see that you're part of the problem, you're also part of the solution. You see, if I would listen to him, a friend trying to help me out, and if I wouldn't have cut that relationship off, I'd be a bitter person now. But because I cut that relationship off, it was unhealthy, I got better. So ask yourself, am I the common denominator in this problem of my life? What can I start to focus on and what can I start to listen to to change my perception and my perspective. So that way I don't focus on the negative all the time. If you listen to 12 hours a day of news, you need to stop now, please. For God's sake, please stop listening to the news. They have nothing good to say except one second blurb at the end sometimes. But, oh, and this interesting story. No, don't watch it. Find something that's uplifting. Find something that makes you laugh, something that makes you 
that's in the sector or in your area of your passion? What is my passion? That's a good question. What is my passion? What am I passionate about? What am I sent here to do? What is my purpose? And how do those two things marry and create power? Those are the best questions you can ask yourself, I think, as far as going on to be successful. I love that. I mean, it's a very simple formula. You know, what is your passion? What is your purpose? And, you know, that by de facto creates power. Well, sometimes it's not that easy because, you know, I like to talk. I'm sure you do too. Um, but it wasn't clear to me that I, I need to be speaking. I need to be on podcasts. I need to do this. I need to do that. It wasn't clear. It took me 40 some years to get to this place. Right. So don't, I want the people not to be hard on themselves. You, you, you know, uh, Colonel Sanders didn't find Kentucky Fried Chicken. He didn't make that until his, what, uh, 70s uh, or 60s, 60s, something like that. Ray Kroc didn't start McDonald's until the 70s. So come on, you're not too late. You can do it. <laughs> I just want to encourage the people because sometimes when you start asking those questions, I'm 52 years old. I don't know what my purpose is yet. Find it now, please. Do something. If you're not sure what your passion is, because passion is a little bit hard to nail down. Let me help you. Start with something, and if you start getting annoyed by it, it may not be your passion. Put it aside for a while. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me just a moment. Put it aside, and if you can get passionate about it again, then it may be a passion. But if you're always frustrated by it, it's probably not a passion. And then from there is if you have continuous passion about it, it's probably a passion. And go with that passion, feed that passion, find out all you can about it, but always take action while you're learning. For example, we can use podcasting. and You can help me with this one, Pete. I did some podcasts without ever doing any research. Then I started doing research and stopped podcasting, and that became horrible. But then I started doing more research while I was podcasting, and now I feel like I'm a more holistic podcaster. Um, and not only that, but probably even ho um, not host, but a guest on a podcast. So as you're going through your journey, always be continuously learning, always continuously be doing. I'll tell you another story that will help you all, and you'll laugh. Back in my mid-30s, I was uh, 199. Soaking wet. I started uh, beefing up because I want to get some muscle. I got up to 250 and I started, you know, I was working out, hitting the weights and everything real hard, but eating a lot of protein and stuff. And then somewhere about 38, 39, I stopped working out, but kept eating. I got all the way up to 350 pounds. And if you stop the action, <laughs> the benefit's not going to be there for you. I don't look like I did when I was in my mid 30s. Not only because of age, but because I stopped working out. You have to work out to keep, you got to take action in what you're learning, what you're feeding yourself, or you just become over, an overweight. Think about this mentally an overweight, knowledge podcast that doesn't have any experience. You get someone on there and you're, um, ah, mm, 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 mm. it's horrible for podcasts. People don't want to listen to that, those noises. They want to listen to someone who can articulate themselves quite well. And that, has some emotion in their voice and tonality and some different things. But you got to 
take the knowledge and put action to it. I think that's one of the biggest things people deal with AP syndrome, analysis and paralysis. They analyze until they become paralyzed. It's always Martin Byrne. It's amazing. Yeah, we sort of, exactly. You sort of take it on, but then you really focus in on, on what, you know, what your your purpose is and what you learn. I mean, because a lot of this they talk about, it's not that you're learning, it's just you're remembering, right? You know, you're remembering what, you know, your your soul or your you're actually capable of. Because, I mean, we're capable of more. We do more every single day than we ever, we could ever consciously do, right? You know, testing your own pH levels, temperature, water levels, growing X number of thousands of millions of cells and, you know, the aging process, the, you know, the recovery process, getting over all the little viruses that infect us day in, day out. And yet we should have sit here and go, I don't know what to do. It's like your body's already done a thousand million things whilst you're sitting here scratching your head, sort of, you know, saying, oh, I'm not that clever. It's like, we're all amazing in so many ways. Yeah, I think, I think taking action is the biggest thing. You got to take some kind of, look, at imperfect action beats perfect perfected silence imperfect action beats perfect silence i'm not saying you don't need time where you're just quiet that's not what i'm saying i'm saying you got to take action people look if if pete and i would have put together our first podcast which was horrible for me my first podcast was absolute junk i'd encourage you not to watch it (laughs) but it's up there for you to see i'm not going to take it down because i have to know where i came from and maybe that video, that audio will give you hope that you can do good, that you can do better. Maybe your editing skills are better. Maybe your interview skills are better. You, you, I don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you're not called to podcasting. Maybe you do a YouTube live or Facebook live or Instagram live. Do something to, to get yourself better. Um, if, if you're into psychology, take five people and, and, and deal with their issues. I, I don't know all the ways to take action for you, but I just know that action is the answer. Action is the answer. Cause then you can have more questions that would cause causes you to study more. So you can take more action to study more, take more action. And then after 10,000 hours of practice, you'll become a master at your craft or at least somewhat of a master. It is that 10,000 hour rule, right? You know, cause people, people want to do a couple and then don't understand why there's not sort of this oodles of success comes rattling down. No yeah. different to anything, you know, but yet it's 10,000 hours. It's like at, at hobby speed. It's like, you know, that's like what, 10 years or something to do to, to get to a point when you could be called a, an expert. You know, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I, especially in business, I'm a, you know, especially people who start a business, start a business, especially a home-based business. They start it today and two weeks, they're like, I didn't get a check yet. Well, first off, you, you didn't read the manual. You didn't read any information. You didn't read anything. And you haven't done anything for, to create any kind of income. Everyone gets, look, at no matter what kind of business you're in, you paid off sales or volume, one of the two or both. And so if you haven't made any sales, you're not getting a check. If you haven't made any volume other than your own, you're not getting a check. So stop giving people a bad name for what industry they're in. I'm especially talking about network marketing, multi-level marketing. You give people a bad name by joining a business and then going on the internet and said, well, that business doesn't work. I invested $500 and slept for three days and didn't make any money. Please shut up. 
treat it like a business, not a hobby. If you're going to do any kind of business, treat it like a business. I mean, I've invested time and money into my equipment, into what I do, uh, how I do it, because I wanted to be better than everyone else just starting off in podcasting. So if you need to invest some money, you invest $50,000 in your schooling, but you can't invest any money into becoming a better network marketer, internet marketer, podcaster, um, affiliate marketer. You don't want to spend any money on that, though. I, I get it. You spend $50,000 to learn a job that someone's going to tell you what to do versus $5,000 someone tell you what to do so you can do it yourself, by yourself, for yourself in your own time. doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't spend that money. But, hey, who am I? That's interesting. It is interesting. Tell me this. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, when we look at personal development and, and I suppose uh, God, the church, you know, whatever way you want to put it, I mean, do you, do you think they go hand in hand? Or are they saying the same thing, maybe with a different label? Or what's your take on it? I think all personal development has been pulled out of the Bible. Um, I really do. I think everything that anyone's ever come up with, no matter how clever it is, I can see its roots in the Bible. Sometimes they even cut it so deep that you can't trace the root back. But if you study the Bible well enough, you know it's there. Um, <clears throat> I think they do it without God. And I think that's a big big uh, drawback for me. Um, and what I mean by that is, is if you have the prince, uh, if you have the principles without the prince, we call that humanism. So you got to have the prince of peace involved to be able to understand the principles and why they work. And not that you need to understand why they work because they're, they're going to work with you. Like, for example, you take giving. Do you understand that when Bill Gates created that foundation and gave all his money to it, <clears throat> he got all that money back? <laughs> yeah, he created a foundation and gave everything he made ever from him and his wife from Microsoft, gave it to uh, his charity and uh, his foundation and got it all back. That's a rule of giving. You can't outgive God. Even if you don't believe in God, you can't outgive God. So that's a really interesting thing that people do. They, they, they deny God altogether, but they still practice the principles and they're still successful. It's amazing to me how God allows them to get away with it, but that's just how God is. God put laws in order. It's just like, watch this. If, you, if you're a Christian, an agnostic, or an atheist, and you all stand on the highway and there's a semi coming, you all three are going to get hit. It doesn't matter. God doesn't, the rules still apply. So the rules of success apply to people who are saved, unsaved, uh, agnostic, uh, evolutionary, uh, don't care about any kind of religion. They still apply. The way to be successful, there are certain rules, principles of success. Are you going to heaven, Chris? Absolutely. I'm going to bust heaven wide open. <laughs> it's you know and, and yeah i mean it's is that that's the next life and and you know have you been here before do you think what's where do you stand on that i was in heaven previous to this i was in god um jewish tradition teaches that there's a bank of souls in heaven that sit with god and at the other appointed time, they get sent to earth to live their life. We are eternal beings, whether we remember our previous existence or not, uh, being in heaven with God. 
but we will live forever. Uh, that's definitely clear in the Bible. Um, I don't think I want to come back to earth again, at least not in this form. <laughs> I think there's some better things out there um, to do and to be. Like what? If you're putting your uh, your uh, spir- spiritual bucket list together, what, what are you coming back as, do you think? What would be good? Oh, I wouldn't oh, come back. I, I want to... Um, there's a Christian theory that teaches that you'll have your own universe to rule. Don't know if that's true or not, but that'd be different. I don't know if I'd... Uh, looking at what God's had to go through, I don't know if I want to go through that. Uh, but we won't be on harps in heaven uh, you know, on clouds, we won't become angels. That's not biblically correct. Um, but uh, we will be in heaven with God. I don't know what all that entails. I don't think about that like that much because my goal is to help as many people as I can. I, I guess I could take time to ponder that and to uh, think about it, but I think that might would take more time than. It's one of those things like once you get certain things settled, it doesn't make that much difference. Unless God showed me an open vision of heaven and what goes on up there, then that'd be great. I could relate that to people and help them. But I don't know if that's what my pathway is, knowing my purpose and passion. There are people who have those kind of dreams and stuff. That hasn't been my pathway. And I'm not jealous of those people. I used to be uh, very prophetic, very insightful people, uh, very uh, vision-driven, uh, vision and dreams. I don't get I don't get uh, upset by that anymore because everyone has their own pathway. Um, there's only one path in, but once you're in, there's many paths inside. Do you think God's annoyed with us? Do I think God's what? Annoyed. Because you mentioned there a while ago, just almost that, you know, almost a, a slight mess we're making up of it, and he sort of has to sit and. I don't think he's annoyed. I think he's disappointed. Disappointed, I think, is a better word. I don't think he's annoyed because he, you know, I think he's just disappointed. He, he wants so much more. Think about this you're a parent, you have children, uh, you know. Uh, when a kid comes home, they messed up at school or whatever didn't do well, or let's let's say you wanted this for your kid, but they came in here. And it's not because, it's more because they just didn't follow the procedures and plan that you put in place. Didn't follow the principles of success that you have espoused. Well, that's kind of how God feels. I think it's more of a disappointment, a letdown. And it's more so that a lot of times we try to hide stuff from him but he sees, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like, you know, I, I got an email from somebody that said, careful what you do with your phone. The NSA is watching, the FBI is watching, CIA is watching. I'm like, God sees it all though. Like in your craziest of moments, in your most naked moment, God sees it all. And uh, yet he still wants to be a part of our lives. That's an amazing thing, right? He still wants to be there. He wants to be. And see, people have a problem. They they see God as this big old man in heaven with a stick. Yeah, he can be that guy. But that's not him. 
he's more of like an affectionate dad, an affectionate um, friend. He just wants to spend time with us. He wants to play ball with us. He wants to kick the ball around the front yard or whatever whatever it is that you like to play golf, um, talk. You like to be on a podcast with us Um, and and not the way we would normally do the podcast, mind you, but that's kind of how he is. He just wants to spend time with us. He's that favorite uncle if you had one. Um, It's just really good at giving advice and knows how things work and can really be helpful. And when you don't, and that's what kind of why he's disappointed. He's like, I've got all the answers. You just don't come to me. You know, you could have a really great life, but you don't listen. I'm not going to force myself on you. And that's the crazy thing. He caused us to want to. But he said, no, no, if you don't want to, that's that's your business. And I really believe, and this is this is a theological controversy, but I really believe God doesn't send anyone to hell. They choose to go there. <laughs> and it's, it's a little bit of a pill swallow, but it's kind of like the whole thing with the secret, right? The thing with the secret is they, they taught you that, that uh, even bad circumstances happen to you because you attract it. Well, if you don't listen... I mean, it's like your child. How far are you going to let your child go before you have to discipline them in some way? And at some point, God says, listen, I didn't choose this for you. You chose it for you because you wouldn't take Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And that's all it is. And you can't accept that. That's not my problem. That's not God's problem. That's your problem. And... um I know there's a lot of different theologies out there and a lot of different thought processes, but that's just what I know is the truth. Your truth. Or the truth. The truth, yeah. <laughs> it's fixed form and universal. It doesn't change. Hmm. doesn't bend. And we got I got a discussion with someone and said, well, that's just my truth. I said, okay, let me tell you what a truth is. Let me tell you what a fact is. Right now, Joseph Biden is the president of the United States. That's a fact. That's not truth. Because just a few months ago, Donald Trump was president of the United States. And before that, Barack Obama was president of the United States. Mm. You see, those are all facts. They're changing. They're not truth. Truth is fixed form and universal. It's like a law. It doesn't change doesn't change so yep talk to me about mini chris what was mini chris yeah little chris what was he like chris was um i grew up in a little town in mission called middleville i was a um i played sports i played soccer played football american football um was a newspaper boy newspapers i started at nine so that's where i got my entrepreneur thing kicked off um delivered newspapers loved doing that i did that for five six years till we moved to north carolina um <clears throat> i really had a great passion uh it's funny i got saved when i was young i was about four years old when i got saved and, and baptized and i really studied god's word quite a bit as a kid i studied the bible quite a bit when I was a kid, memorizing scriptures and things like that. 
And uh, I just, I'm thankful for that because without that, I would have probably turned out a whole lot different. And, um, but also thank God for the, the, the paper route, because I was an entrepreneur before I even knew what entrepreneurship was. Right. And so um, I had more money than most kids my age. I was making like $200 a week back in the eighties. That's a lot of money for a nine, 10, 11. I had every GI Joe guy you could think of <clears throat> that came out during that time. Uh, almost every vehicle, almost play, every play set. I had almost every transformer. Um, there are a few of them I didn't have. And some of that was just because of the size of the bigger ones. But um, I learned I learned how to work hard and play hard. And I think that's uh, something that people don't uh, take into consideration in their mind. If you work hard, you should play hard. Whatever you enjoy doing when you're not working, you should find something you enjoy and do that. If you like hiking or camping, go do that. If you like playing video games, go do that. Have guilty, like my guilty pleasure one of them is watching pro wrestling. I, if there's a pay-per-view, you know you're going to find me in front of a TV watching pro wrestling. Unless there's a fast or something. I'm going to be doing watching that. It's my guilty pleasure. Uh, you know, so growing up, that's kind of was my mindset. Um, what, or growing up, that's kind of what I did. I also was homeschooled schooled for four years from uh, fourth to ninth grade. That's five, actually. I was homeschooled. My parents homeschooled me which um, I remember testing in the ninth grade at uh, freshman, sophomore, sophomore in college. And so um, I've always thought, um, other than my parents calling me a smart aleck all the time, I knew I was smart. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, uh, that was my childhood. I, I look at it and I'm amazed by all the different I had a friend tell me that all the different paths I've been on, I have probably three or four books in me just off my life, not off principles, not off uh, letters of the alphabet, <laughs> not off different things. Um, I've had so many different experiences. I'm just grateful that I've had them. I look forward to more because I haven't only seen, I've only seen half of the, half of the United States, about half, about half the United States now. And uh, I haven't been outside the country yet. I, I'm looking forward to being able to do all those things once we open all this back up um, because now uh, my mindset's totally different, totally different. Um, looking forward to doing a lot more travel. My wife and I, um, we're looking forward to traveling. That's what we want to do. We want to get an RV and travel the United States and then maybe more, but definitely the United States. There's a lot of beautiful places here. I, I know that. What was Many Chris's original plan. What were we going to do when you grew up? You know what's funny is I remember one time I was riding my bicycle, delivering newspapers, and I said, "You know what I want to do? I'll retire by age thirty. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know the money that needed to be made. I didn't know any of that. But in my mind, I knew that's what I wanted. And somehow I got way off that vision. You know, um, I think chasing girls uh, in my early twenties, um, and then you know. Um, what brought me back to being able to want to retire. And when I say retire, I'm talking about not working for a person or a corporation, just working for myself uh, or for God. Um, not opposed to that either. Uh, but what got me kind of back into this, I've kind of come full circle, is I went and helped plant over 15 churches and ministries in the United States. So I've been uh, 
Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, several places there, several places Raleigh, several churches here in the Atlanta metro area. I've helped over 15 churches get their start with a church plan. And uh, that kind of balanced me out. Um, I told you the relationship I had cut off. Um, that was later on. But um, one of the things I will say is a woman had gotten in and just messed with my mind when I was younger and uh, caused me, it shifted my whole life. I started just, okay, let me just be thinking about how I can help uh, do God's work. And so I'd get a job. It wouldn't pay next to nothing, but just enough to cover bills so I could help out in the, the churches I helped plant. And um, it was a rewarding experience because I have a unique perspective that I don't think many people have been through that many church plants and not been the leader themselves. They've, they've uh, been the, uh, they, they've moved up along the ranks. The next one, I, oh, actually my wife and I are starting one uh, here shortly, uh, a ministry here in the Atlanta metro area. And we'll be going alive with that shortly. Wow. I love it. I love, I love your, I love your passion. I think your your passion and purpose for doing that. You know, it's um, yeah, it's pretty spectacular. What are you great at, Chris, and what are you terrible at? I'm terrible at lying. Believe it or not, <laughs> uh, people can see through my lies. I try not. I I, I hate lying. Um, and then when you do it, it's just you get that yucky feeling. Um, but uh, I'm good at. I'm good at many things. I think I'm uh, good at being a friend. I'm good at uh, I'm good at communicating. I really believe I am. Uh, hopefully, the people agree with me that are watching. Uh, but I really, I really love, I really love talking to people, listening to people. I think it's important. I think the conversation is almost a lost art form. Hmm. I think that listening and connecting is. Yeah, it's very different, isn't it? Yeah, and storytelling. Storytelling is also a missed, uh, a missing art form, I think, of this day. Everyone wants their instant, you know, 30-second clips, 60-second clips, a minute and a half clips, but taking the time to tell a long story, I think there's something mm. about it. And maybe I'm romanticizing about my childhood or remember the times we went camping and hear the stories around the campfire. But, you know, those are good because those are things that I experienced. But I think people need to have those moments where they're disconnected. You know, we didn't have connectivity when I was coming up. Mm. Uh, you know, not like the Internet and cell phones. I mean, we had uh, we had uh, walkie-talkies that were bigger than this remote control. And uh, you couldn't hear each other three feet away. <laughs> the only reason why you could hear each other is because they were there. Right, so we've come so far. We got cell phones to reach around the world. I think mm. people, uh, I think people need to disconnect from time to time. I really do. I really think you need to disconnect and, and just be in nature. It's amazing, you know. I think for a lot of people, that's you know, leisure and pleasure, and and you know, where do people go to get grounded, or where do people go? Whether under great stress, you know, where does that go to place? And it's it's generally, I'm going to say it's generally always nature, and typically it's there's water involved. 
for some reason we you know we're standing on the water standing looking at the water standing in the water sort of bathing floating on the water there's some reason that just humans we just all seem to go back to this point right for whatever reason yeah water is very calming and soothing blue the color of water or what we consider blue uh in most cases um water is blue is is the most trusted it it's the color of trust it's a very powerful color it's very um you know, the reason why the sky's blue is because the water's blue. It's a reflection of the water. So the um, thing is, is like, I think we're drawn to it because when water is at its fullest, it's calm. We are like water. We really are. And not only with three quarters water, or supposedly uh, three quarters water, um, but we are like water because you shake us, we become violent and turbulent. But when we're still, we're peaceful, calm, serene. And hopefully I've shaken you to a point where you want that calmness and sereneness today. Um, I really, really hope that peop the people who are listening and watching will get the sense that there is a peace that can, that, that, that your passion and purpose will find. When the, because see, I think the passion and purpose rest on the peace. Because you can have passion and purpose, but not be, and not facilitate the power. It's kind of like um, uh, I can't remember what movie it was, but they said this can't be handled when you combine these two elements. It can't be handled, so they had to get a catalyst involved. Well, peace is the catalyst that marry passion and purpose. Because if you have, can you imagine how chaotic passion and purpose would be if it was married, just married together with no peace? It, you'd be going around doing crazy stuff. And it wouldn't make any sense. It would be totally chaotic. And it wouldn't benefit anybody. So you got to have some peace for it to rest on, for the power to be able to be harnessed and push you forward into the, the great plan that's made for you. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's just there. So tell me, Chris, you're a fire in the belly. If you were to describe it in one or, one or two words, what would it be? A fan of what? If you were to describe your fire in the belly in oh. one or two words, what would they be? Passion. Purpose. <laughs> Since that's where we've been all day, why not? Let's stick with it. Why change it now? That's great. I love it. So tell us, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they hunt you down, track you down, stalk you, follow you, any of the above? Uh, they can go conquer with Chris uh, slash main, I mean, yeah, forward slash main dash links. That's my website, conquer with Chris forward slash main dash links. You can follow me on Facebook, conquer with Chris. That's my page. Those are the best places to find me. Uh, both, uh, and that's where you can get all my other social media, the, my so all my social media handles, my podcast, any offers I have um, right now are at that main links uh, place. And um, if you want to reach out to me, please, you can DM me in the chat of Facebook. I'll be open for that. And um, I'm just grateful to have been on. Final message you'd like to leave with people? 
Look, at your greatness lies before you, not behind you. Keep pressing forward. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give out. Your great greater is coming and is here now if you're willing to embrace it. Love it. Chris, I thank you for your time. It's been most enlightening. And uh, yeah, until the next time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 